Love and Watches is a podcast for male and female watch lovers alike. Perpetual Girl and Ranch Racer are a watch-crazy wife and husband team, bringing you the latest in news, gossip, controversy, and anything else that matters in the world of watches. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, watch fam. Welcome to episode number four of the Love and Watches podcast. This is Ranch Racer. And this is Perpetual Girl. And today we've got an interesting topic that we'll get to uh, in a few minutes. Uh, what we'd like to do, I think, is should we start off with, the, with our uh, wrist checks? All right, go for it. I'm wearing the Christopher Ward Trident GMT, and the size is the smaller. Um, what exactly size it's is a this? 37, I 37, think, or 38. 38. It's a 38. And this is one of my favorite watches. It's It's got the black bezel with the white dial. Uh, the loom is excellent. It will last pretty much all night. So if you have to wake up and figure out what time it is, uh, loom is great. There's no Cyclops. The date is easily read, um, you know, legible. Uh, the band is fantastic. It has a, a micro adjustment in the buckle that you can slide the lever, pull that in and out. So if you uh, happen to I'd like to see that on like yeah, every watch is, out there. They're it, so nice to have. You know, if your adjust. weight fluctuates a little bit, which with a lot of ladies, we can retain water and horrible things like that. So this you can adjust daily, and it's just it's a really smart looking watch and looks really nice with silver jewelry. Uh, what else can I? Uh, yeah, beautiful I mean, things. Christopher Ward. Wonderful. I'm really impressed with those guys. GMT. They've uh, travel. They've gotten some flack over the years, and recently the, there's a lot of folks out there complaining about the how they do the the um, Christopher Ward text on the dial because they moved it to nine o'clock. And who you know, that's a to platinum me, problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a they're great looking watches. The quality is fantastic. It has a guilloche pattern on the. Is that a what kind of pattern would you call that on the dial? It's a wave pattern. It's beautiful. It's really nice, but it's kind of subtle, so you have to look closely to see it. It makes the dial look really velvety. Yep. Yeah, and just, it just it matches everything. The band is it's a beautiful oyster style band. It also came with a Milanese band, twenty millimeter. You ordered that separate. I, I did, think. and yeah. it's and I've put that band on a lot of my other watches, and it's I I put it on my Detroit, my Orange Monster. I even put it on some uh, really cheap watches, and it looks it looks good on everything. <laughs> Makes the cheap watches yeah. look more expensive. It looks great on everything. So. Yeah. How else can I gush over? They do this a watch? nice job, and I, I think it's the Etta twenty eight ninety three movement, mm-hmm. the GMT movement. I guess like the only my only complaint is that it doesn't have an exhibition back, but it does have a beautiful stainless back with their trident on it. So. Yeah, it's a there's not a lot of divers that have exhibition backs usually for an important solid. functional reason. Yeah, and it's it's six hundred meters. I mean, that's definitely. You know, we don't usually dive past maybe 100 meters sitting at our desk. So I think 600 <laughs> meters were probably covered. But uh, splashing around in the lake with the dog. Perfect, yeah. 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 And I have the 43 millimeter version of that exact same mm-hmm. watch. So, you know, great. Uh, his and hers watches, I would say for mm-hmm. sure. We've posted those on Instagram several times. But yeah, I, I'm just very pr- impressed with Christopher Ward. They make a nice watch. Very affordable. There's for a lot what you're of, getting. And there's a lot of color options for this too. There's several. Yeah, I they believe. have some different dial colors and yeah. bezel colors. It's so. it's a nice watch. How about you? Uh so 
I'm wearing an interesting one today. It's a Casio. Uh, what's the number here? It's the AMW 320R. This is a watch from the early 90s. And I saw uh, Casio Geek posted on Instagram a few weeks ago. And I was, it just brought me back because this was the watch that I dove with when I used to scuba dive. And it's, it predates the ISO 6425 standard. So it's got a unidirectional bezel, not, or I, I'm sorry, it's got a bi-directional bezel. So it turns in both directions. It's a compass bezel as well as a 60 minute bezel. So this is kind of before all the standards came out for dive watches, but just a beautiful champagne colored dial. It's a really pretty color. Yeah. And I think it's a 44 millimeter or 43. Um, so it's, it's an analog, it's got an analog dial, but then down at six o'clock, it has a, 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 a digital window, right? An, mm-hmm. a, an LCD uh, window. So it's got second time zone. It's got a stopwatch. It's got a I think it's got a countdown timer, um, the date. So just, and it's just such a cool looking watch. And the minute I saw it, I'm like, I got to go find one of those. I didn't know what they were going to cost. I had no idea. I think, I think it was a pretty common watch back, back then in the nineties. A lot of folks dove with it. A lot of people, you know, just, um, just wore it. It was just a good all around watch. So as soon as uh, Casio geek posted his, I started looking around and that same day, I found this one on eBay. I think it was like 65 bucks. <laughs> and it looks, it's brand new. And I actually think it said, so it was from an estate sale of a watchmaker that had passed away. And uh, I think it had said it was brand new and he just stuck it away and never did anything with it. So, I mean, it, it, even the case back, there's no scratches. It's perfect. It's really nice. And it, I love countdown timer. Yeah. And it's got the it's really, it's got the... Kind of that accordion style rubber uh, rubber strap that expands over your wetsuit so right. as you uh as you go deeper and everything contracts and it's just <laughs> a, it's just a really cool watch i dig it it is really smart looking though i think it looks um it does look pretty dressy it's yeah, not it's not think... chunky it's it's thin you know being a quartz it's thin i like it a lot it is pretty thin it's probably a 12 maybe when it arrived i was really impressed it's one of my favorites of yours, I think. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I wear it quite a bit, and it's just a lot of fun, and it takes me back. I, it, it reminds me of my, my diving days, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> How's the loom? It's got pretty good loom. All the all the indexes are loomed, and then the, all three hands are loomed, so it, it's good. It doesn't last real long mm. just because it's, it's an older watch. It's kind of like Vostok loom? Mm. Yeah, kind of like Vostok loom. Yeah, I'd say so. Not that we're experts on Vostok, so we, we just bought a couple but that'll be for another episode so those are the wrist checks uh let's see what else we got i think we have a little bit of watch news that i thought was kind of worth talking about um i think it was last week the richmond group announced a new entry-level brand called baum which uh, those of you familiar with baum and mercier will recognize that uh it is i guess it's a sub brand of baum and mercier but They've been pretty clear that it's a standalone entity with their own designers. Uh, they don't use any precious metals or gemstones. So sort of like a, I don't mean to interrupt, but okay. sort of like a Tudor to Rolex. I, yeah, I guess that would be a good comparison. Yeah. Um, 
and it, their focus is on they they talk about sustainable manufacturing and attracting a new audience which is not necessarily an age group audience but a mindset so they use like recyclable recyclable materials and upcycling whatever that means um I think they have two offerings to start with. I don't have the webpage open, so I'm not going to get into the details, but uh, they st- I think it's the starting point is around 1100 bucks. That struck me as a little high for what what they're making, but well, I guess we'll just have to see kind of how that brand takes off, you know, that there's some customization on one of them so you can customize like dial colors and that kind of stuff. So, I thought that was interesting news. Upcycling and crown at 12 o'clock. Sounds like old pocket watches to me. Crown at 12 o'clock. That's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I'm not sure why they made that choice, but they did. So we'll see. We'll see. And at both the offerings have the, the 12 o'clock crown. So interesting. So that's, I think that's probably all the watch news we have. Um, all right. Something I want to start doing on each podcast, if, if we can, are some shout outs. And the first shout out that I'm going to I'm going to give is, uh, this is a big one because as I was getting this, all this gear set up and learning how to do podcasting and how to, you know, post stuff and how to build the website, um, Kaz from two broke watch knobs was just, uh, the guy was so helpful. And so if you guys haven't heard the two broke watch knobs podcast, it, to me, that's, it is the best watch podcast out there. The guys are funny. Uh, they have a good time with watches. It's not, you know, they're, they're not, I don't know, snobby, I guess. I mean, a lot of the watch <laughs> podcasts the out there are kind of on the, kind I'm kind of on the fence there, but these, they just, you know, Kaz and Mike just have a great time with watches. They love watches. They don't, you know, they, they started out cause they were broke, right? They were young guys. They couldn't afford a lot. And, uh, so they started the podcast to help people find, you know, kind of, more affordable mechanical and quartz watches. And, you know, Kaz, I got to know Kaz over the last, I don't know, six to eight months, probably just over Instagram. And, and he just, you know, I, I would DM him over Instagram. It would be like nine o'clock here, not even thinking that it's midnight or one o'clock out in Florida where, where he lives. And I mean, he's just super cool and helpful on all this stuff that I was trying to figure out. So, uh, and then both, both he and Mike, you know, took the time out to, to listen to our first couple of episodes and give us pointers and tips on, on what we could do to improve. So just, just a big shout out to those guys. If you haven't, like I said, if you haven't listened to their podcast, get over there and listen to it. They have uh, they have a Patreon page, which I haven't set up yet. I don't know if we're going to do that, but uh, they're, they're a little bit more serious into making that a, a livelihood and a business for themselves. And I think that's awesome. But, uh, you know, if if you like their podcast, go find them on Patreon and and uh, become a patron. I am actually a patron. I, I give those guys a little bit of money each month, and because I just love the love the podcast. So, Kaz and Mike, guys, I really appreciate all your help, and hopefully, we can help drive some more listeners to your podcast. So that's my shout out. What about you, PG? Well, this is going to turn into probably the rest of the podcast, <laughs> but um, my shout out is actually regarding an article in watch time magazine and this is maybe not such a it's more of a critical shout out i guess it kind of isn't at the risk of offending this person and it's not intended to offend this person or their stunning timepieces because it's not about that at all but this is uh, an article 
in the June edition of Watch Time, and it's it's called How a Classic Becomes a Collection, and it's an interview with the Jagère Lecoult product designer, Lionel Favre. Favre yeah, he's Favre. the director of product design. And he talks about their current line of beautiful, beautiful watches, mm-hmm. and everybody loves their watches. I think most, and they're, most they're watch very diverse, yeah. very diverse. And the women's line is very diverse mm-hmm. as well. Um, but there was a comment made in his answer of one of the questions. And one of the questions was, and I'll read it to you. It's pretty quick. What's the main difference between designing watches and designing jewelry? And his answer is in some respects, I think they're very similar because in the end, what you want to have is something with good light reflections and often using the same materials such as gold. I can agree with that especially in designing a watch for ladies, because in the end, what she wants is basically a jewel or at least something between jewelry and watchmaking. If she wants to read the time, she can look at her iPhone. So it's really close. So that's a bit of a foul there, I think. So I found that to be uh, a very, actually a very sexist comment because a watch is not the only piece of jewelry that women wear. Well, we, not, we wear other jewelry. Yeah, not so, only that. I mean, maybe not. And the whole point of having you on this podcast and you and I doing this together is to bring the female collector's voice correct. to this world. And this pretty that, much like, summed up why you and I are years. sitting here right yeah, now. I mean, is come on, guy. There are a lot of a lot of women who love watches, and we don't just buy what people tell us to buy. And I I sort of feel that this comment in this day and age of equality and and not being sexist and everyone treating each other equally i thought it was a very outdated comment i agree um i think with the quartz crisis back in the day and with with watches you know women buying watches and receiving watches i i kind of feel like this goes along with do women buy the watches that they want or are they buying what the designers and the watch manufacturers are telling us that we like? Like, for example, do we really want pink gold or do we, do we just buy it because it's out there and they're telling us that this is the hottest thing right now? Like, like the old episode of I love Lucy where they go to Paris and they, (laughs) they they end up with the the feed sack dresses and hats that end up becoming the rage. So Mm -hmm. all the stuff that comes out, is this really what people want or, you know, how much of it is us telling the manufacturers, gosh, I really like this two tone, but you see where I'm coming. You want to get into. And the the weird thing about the comment was if you look at, at, the Jager Lacoult offerings and their collections, they have a lot of really nice mechanical watches They do, watches and that's my women, next point. Right? That's my next point. I, I really, over the, you know, the course of thinking about all this, looked at the watches, and his comments struck me kind of oddly because they have a diverse women's selection of watches. They have larger, you know, in the 30 millimeter range, they have moon phase watches for women, which is really hard to find. That have mechanical movements. That have mechanical They're movements. Not they, have, out. they have a number of uh, smaller uh, that look like Art Deco from the 40s, like the very old Bulevas that that I have in my collection that I bought on eBay that are from the 40s, the 20s, 30s, and 40s that are mechanical hand wine, which is really hard to find, that are the reversos. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have some that are steel without all the bling with the diamonds. Um, however, they do have a, I think there's a $6,000 quartz in there 
mixed in. That's least, a, yeah, that's I think it was uh, at least six. Which I, I, that, that always really kind of gets me in the liver because it, <laughs> you know, seeing a $6,000 quartz makes me think that that was, that's being purchased by a woman who, I hate, I, and I don't want to offend people, but you know, it's like, is this a trophy wife who doesn't know anything about mechanical no, that, things yeah, at all? That's totally true. But when I see a man make a comment like that, it, it almost seems like there's a mark, you know, that they're assuming that the market for high-end women's watches is for the woman who maybe is the wife of a very successful businessman who she's just wearing it as an affectation and wants to show all her society friends that she's very wealthy and wants this watch that has the diamonds all over it and it's the jewelry and she's going to look at her iPhone, like he said, to tell the time. Or there are the women who are out there who are working in Silicon Valley. I I came from Silicon Valley originally and I had a a great career. You know, I, I don't need to have the man buy me the watch as the trophy wife, I can, I can find my own watch. So I I kind of disagree with his statement that, you know, there are women out there who choose their own timepieces who are very interested in that we we even love men's watches, but they're just too large for us to wear. So I, I, I'm just seeing that, you know, they're assuming who they're marketing to is kind of the bimbo. I don't know. Is (laughs) that a bad thing? Can I say that? So you can say whatever you want. So let's, okay, let's be honest. There are, there is that subset of female watch buyers. Either they're getting a gift or they are dropping into the local jewelry store in Beverly Hills. And there's nothing wrong with flashy, right? I have flashy watches. And and for, for Jager, it is, it's a, a higher end brand, right? I think they start around five, 6,000 for their least expensive pieces. So you are going to get that element of a buyer, but I think his statement was just, to me, that just sets, sets us back as, as a society, like 50 years, right? I mean, come on that. It just, it's just a dumb statement to make. He didn't need to make it. And so this is a big, uh, critical negative shout out to Mr. Five. I think you need to rethink how you, uh, how you discuss your your design the design of your time especially pieces. given the diversity of the women's line which is actually probably one of the most diverse women's lines of watches i've ever seen well yeah they're in they're in a position where they could actually attract women that Collectors. are like you that are they're kind of sick and tired of it being such a male dominated hobby and you care as much about what's inside the watch as what's outside and they have some nice offerings. So I know why would he say that? And I mean, he really should be focusing on that saying, you know, we want to bring more women into this, into this hobby, into this, you know, I'd love to get my hands on that, that reverso hand, uh, mechanical hand wind. Yeah. Those are really, those are one of the, the, the two dialed black dial, white dial, you know, mechanical. Yeah. No, they, I, so this is not, this is not, a criticism of the brand Jager Lacolle. They, they, or of him or his designs. Brand. I think it was just a the statement. A, an incorrect statement of, of yeah. their own pieces. Yep. But that's why I disagree with a lot of the choices that sometimes the manufacturers are making today for women's watches is they throw a quartz in it and some diamonds, which we discussed on our last couple of podcasts. And I think there are a lot of women out there that really want, they love the men's watches, but they're just too large. So I think there's, you know, we're half the population of the planet. I think manufacturers are missing out on a huge segment because they're assuming 
they know what they that we want. No, I, I agree. I mean, but I but again, I think Jajer is doing a good job. They've got some great offerings, but they're not. They don't. He's not. At least he is not talking about it that way, right? He is more. I come from a jewelry background. All women want is bling on their watches. They don't need it for telling time. Well, I think that's ridiculous. There's a time I mean, and place for bling. You can wing, you can wear diamond earrings and necklaces and mm-hmm. rings and bracelets and everything. Why not talk about what what a woman collector would really care about, right? What's inside the watch. So anyway. Well, and I also qu- think that women would be collectors, but they're not. And I think that's something that we haven't discovered yet as, as yeah, a gender. Because there's just so much to learn about it. And we've never been given that opportunity or told that, you know, as we've evolved, you know, with the liberation movement back in the courts days, it just became the new thing. And we were told and given gifts by our spouses here, this is the newest thing. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And and house. Yeah. And housewives, you know, we were housewives and we got the gifts and we didn't really understand it. So I think this is sort of all evolving. And now women women are learning now how these watches work and we're discovering. Totally. So I think I think manufacturers might be a little afraid if women find out what a quartz really is too. <laughs> Maybe they don't want us to understand it because once they realize that they see the photo on our website of the quartz next to the mechanical, if more women really understood what how cheap a quartz, you know, financially, what it costs mm-hmm. to put a quartz, drop a quartz movement. It, you know, it breaks my heart to see a $6,000 quartz watch. Breaks my heart. Cause I know it doesn't cost that to make it. No, you're paying for the materials, which, but you're paying more than it should really cost. Agreed. Which is a perfect segue into today's main topic, which uh, is that of watch materials. Um, this came about because, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, neither PG nor myself are are crazy about rose gold. Um, it's and I've, I've done a lot of research and reading on this in the last several months. And rose gold kind of seems to be one of those things that comes and goes. It has over the decades. Over the decades, yeah. and I think you know a lot of it is yellow gold is very traditional, and I think uh, at least for me. Like I, I used to not ever think about yellow gold. I would never get a yellow gold. Well, and watch, platinum, right? platinum white gold but, is also traditional yeah, as well. But as I've gotten older, I've really learned to appreciate yellow gold. And I think what, what we see is as a new generation comes up, whether it's millennials or whatever, right? A younger generation, I think the thought process, at least it was for me when I was younger, was Oh, that might grandpa or dad wears gold. Well, that, right. That and as young people, we couldn't afford yellow gold. So that was sort of a way to sort of rationalize it without just saying, Oh, I can't afford yellow gold. It is. But as a young person, and even now, I wear sterling silver because, well, we, you and I are Western people. You know, we're, we're in a Western rural rural area. So Mm -hmm. silver's really, silver and turquoise are really popular. So we wear a lot of, I wear a lot of silver, but as a young person, silver was, you know, much more affordable than yellow gold. And I, and I yeah. liked yellow gold and I have some yellow gold pieces. My Seiko that I got for high school graduation is yellow gold. Yellow gold is timeless. I agree. I, I think it's timeless. And I think in the eighties, when the black Hills gold came about, that was patented, I believe as a tricolored gold with the green. But it, it, you know, it wasn't really a big, super duper hot thing. Mm-hmm. So 
And I'm not totally 100% against the rose gold. I have I have a couple of watches that are rose gold. One is a fossil. No, they're both fossils. Mm-hmm. They're fashion watches. And they're... That's they're, what they're I think not, of when I think of rose gold. They're very trendy. And I don't have a lot of rose gold. So when I wear those watches... I don't have any other jewelry that I can really wear with it. I can wear a little bit of silver with one of them. The other one, I can't. I have one ring that's that's rose gold. It has a ruby in it, and I love it. But I don't have any other watches that I can wear it with except those fossils. Well, and it's not just women, right? Guys seem to be big into rose they're, gold they're right They're gaga now. over it. I mean, and guys don't wear a lot of jewelry, so you don't have to like match stuff. But, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned women it. do, though. To me, when I think rose gold, I think fashion watch right and if you i did there's a, nothing wrong with a fashion so I actually watch went but... on, i did a search i, I tried uh, a search on google did another one on DuckDuckGo. but if you search for rose gold watch everything that comes up is like fossil and Michael target Kors. and walmart and Correct. kmart right it's all so it, it that just reinforces what how i feel about rose gold which is for the most part it's it's more leans it's, more towards the fashion side and a trend and it, I think it is trendy. And a lot of people disagree with us on that. I know I've had disagreements with folks online about that, but i that's just my opinion. I think rose gold is very trendy, and I think it kind of goes in and out of fashion. Well, and I think the fact that it it really did, for me, first start out with the tre- the more trendy fashion brands and the more affordable fashion brands, when I see a rose gold watch that's made by a high-end brand, I, I just cannot stop thinking about my fossil watches. Yeah. And I, I will say that... Which I love. I love my fossil watches. Don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, there is something that comes along in rose gold that I like. It's very infrequent, but a perfect example was the new Rolex uh, GMT Master. The brown. I love uh, that. Two-tone. The root beer dial with, yeah. the, with the two-tone is bracelet. Is that a two-tone steel or white gold? It's steel rose gold. Okay, so that's a little bit different Rolex story. Rolex calls rose gold something else. You but could, you could, that sort of cuts it, you know, waters it down a little bit, so well, you can it match does, it with something else. There's still a lot of rose gold on that thing, but it, it just is. the rose gold really works with the brown, you know, the root beer. It just it just really works, and I think it's a stunning watch. I actually like it a lot more than than either the Tudor Pepsi GMT or the stainless steel Pepsi GMT from Rolex. I just think it's a really classy looking watch, but. Those are few and far between for me. I I tend to, like, I love the Tudor um, S&G with the new champagne dial or the gold dial with the two-tone oh, bracelet. Oh, yeah, I, I love that, too. beautiful, and that's that's traditional yellow gold. And to I me, would wear that as well. Timeless. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. I just can't, I mean, I feel like they're marketing it towards um, the millennial segment, which I don't like being left out of being marketed to, I guess, being Well, we're kind of a small generation, so we didn't get a lot of marketing in right. the, what a Gen X or whatever we are. But yeah, I think I think that just goes back to my point of I think it's rose gold, I think, appeals to younger set of buyers. And then I think as those buyers start to mature, they start to appreciate the yellow gold a little bit more. It's a little more timeless. It goes with more. Um, I think it's dressier than, than uh, rose gold. And it's not like it's the rose gold is only on cheap fashion watches. I mean, all the big, I'm you seeing know, it everywhere. Patek and Rolex and Jaeger. I mean, they all are heavy into rose gold. There's right more now. rose gold choices in some high end brands than there are yellow now. And look at Omega. There I is know. not a single yellow gold choice in Omega now. I don't think unless the maybe green, if you go to the Constellation or the right. 
Yeah, it might be the constellation, but very, very few. I mean, it's almost uh, Omega's almost all rose when it comes to their gold offerings. Pink. Pink. Pink watch. It's a pink watch. It's a freaking pink watch. So I don't want to just talk about rose gold. What do you think about bronze? I'm not thrilled with it either. You can't really match it with much. So here's the thing. I'm more of a classic person. When bronze is new, versatile. I think it looks great. I really like the bronze look, especially for like a sport watch, like a diver. But, you know, it ages and it, it if, you, you, get re- dirty if you read looking. about it, it's like it, you know, bronze, it patina, quote, patinas beautifully and it becomes your own personal watch. To me, it just looks old. It ends up looking like it just looks like it's worn like out. Some of the metal garbage you find around our ranch. Yeah, that's yeah, rusted, right? I mean, so I, I'm I'm on the fence about bronze. I mean, I think I don't own a bronze watch. If I bought one, I'd probably be obsessively restoring it every month or every couple months as it started to, you know, go green or whatever it does. It just well, to me that's just not attractive. So, with that being said, some of these materials they're using that they're that they're kind of beefing up to be like a precious metal. It's reminding me of hardware. The, the rose gold to me looks like a copper pipe that we'd use mm, yeah, to kinda. fit, you know, like your plumbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that people are going to say I'm crazy and that's fine because everybody has their, that everybody loves what they love, but, but I think it's okay you know, for us brass, to call this out, right? Brass, copper. Yeah. I mean, steel. The problem is there, the, you get these trends where someone says, oh, this is the latest thing. And all of a sudden everyone has to have it. Well, is it still going to be trendy in five years or what's that? What is that? You know, what's that bronze watch going to be worth in 10 years? I don't know. I just don't know because it's pretty new. Um, you know, Anonimo, I think was probably the first that did it many, many, many years ago, 10, 12, 15 years ago, came out with a, a bronze cased watch and they're, you know, kind of their name kind of says it all. They're a bit anonymous, at least in this country. Not a lot of people know about Anonimo, but you know, now, now it's everywhere. I mean, everyone is pushing bronze and again, kind of like rose gold. Is it going to be around in 10 years? I, I just don't know. You know, maybe we'll be proven totally wrong, but. And maybe those young folks who are just starting out in life and all the jewelry they buy is all pink gold. Maybe this is a great metal for them. And, you know, as you start your life, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to start over and buying all my pieces in you know, I can't afford to buy everything I own in, in rose again. I have a lot of sentimental things that are yellow and platinum. And I just, I'm not going to start a new color in my whole jewelry wardrobe. Yeah. And it goes back to our manufacturers making what people want or what they think are they telling want. people what they want. Right. And I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the, I think the current rose gold trend, honestly, I think it started with the iPhone, whichever version that was a few years ago. Because up until then, you saw rose gold, but it wasn't just—it wasn't like crazy explosion. They started of rose with gold. the champagne color. Well, and the, and so Apple did the rose gold iPhone, and since then, rose gold in the watch world has just exploded. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, bronze, again, it's not as prolific as rose gold, obviously, and I think it's an acquired taste. A lot of people love the patina; they like that it looks old. I don't. I mean, it just to me, it just looks old and worn out, and I want my. St- my watches to look clean and nice and new. I take good care of my watches and you know, with the bronze you're having to restore it every month or two. So mm. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Um, 
you know, the other one I didn't put on our notes, but I was just thinking of is carbon fiber. Oh, um, we're, are we going to have enough time to talk? Yeah, about no, we're, we're okay. We're, <laughs> we're going to go a little over, but I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Um, but the, the carbon and it's a pressed carbon fiber. It's not where they lay down sheets kind of traditional. It's, they basically compress it under, under pressure with, the with the, uh, the stuff that makes it stick together. Like race car parts. Well, it's different because the, the race car parts, you lay out sheets and then they're, they're usually pre-impregnated with fiber and then you cook them. This is, um, almost like powdered carbon fiber or flakes and they put it in a mold with the resin and they squeeze it and they bake it. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, to me, and you know, some of the super high end, like Richard Mill, they do carbon fiber cases, but if you look at them, at least to me, I'll probably never own a carbon fiber watch. I love the material because as a, as a racer and a car guy, I think it's awesome, but it kind of looks like something that came out of the bottom of a cereal box. Does it, it just look looks cheap, cheap? plasticky, you know? I mean, I don't know. It, it's just not, it doesn't look like it. Like if you look at a Richard Mill, a million dollar watch, I don't want it to look like cheap plastic, right? If I could afford it, or if I really even liked Richard Mill and could afford those, I probably wouldn't buy one because I just don't, it just looks cheap to me personally. The carbon fiber. Yeah. Got it. How yeah. about the um, matte black? What material is that? Oh, the, the PVD coating. Yeah. What is that? So that's a, a coating process that, that they use uh, usually over stainless steel and they coat it and it, it's not powder. It's not electro it's not powder, powder coat. coating. I, I don't fully understand. There's a couple different processes that are under that kind of PVD um, heading, but it's, it stands up to, you know, shocks and stuff better than painting, I think, or even, even if you were to do something like a, a powder coat, um, I think it has its place. I mean, if you like black, you know, it looks really good on kind of like military style watches, special ops type stuff. Um, I think the Boliva moon watch looks pretty good. The newer version has mm. the, the PVD. Mine is the stainless, but I think it looks pretty good. So it's not necessarily something I'm against. I don't own any, any black, you know, black case watches. It just now. depends on the watch and the personality of the watch. Totally. I think it does. Um, so it could be a gloss or a matte I think finish. it's usually matte. I don't know. Well, I guess it could be gloss. Why not? I don't know. Well, the matte would show your fingerprints. So there's probably advantages no, to everything. I don't know if it would. Matte's definitely a little harder to care for. But we've seen, like if you look in the car world for a while, I'm not seeing it as much anymore, but for a while that was really big, right? Yeah. Matte paint jobs on cars. Especially Good luck helmets. keeping those clean. Yeah. So yeah, I've got a helmet that's matte black right there, but so, you know, I think at the end of the day, the one material that I think we can all agree on is kind of universe, a good universal material for making watches is stainless steel. It's affordable. It's plentiful and most, durable. It's durable. You don't pay through the nose for it. I mean, the thing with the precious metals, even if it's like a white gold or a platinum, you pay many times over the value of the metal for that watch. You even do for sterling silver. Yeah. And, and the thing is they usually, those watches, unless they're like super rare, one of 10 special editions that auctions off for way, way more than what you paid for it. In general, you lose value immediately after buying a precious metal watch. They just don't hold their value because you're paying so much more above what the actual material is worth. 
unless it's a Rolex. Yeah, Rolex is like an anomaly in the watch world. They, they just are. I mean, but I think there's even some I solid think there's, gold there's Rolexes watches that are, you know, from the 80s and 90s Rolexes that were yellow gold or white gold that if you buy used, you're going to get a really good deal because mm-hmm. now you're paying more of what the value for the actual metal is as opposed to brand new. So I think, um, well, Rolex could be a whole nother podcast. Rolex could be several podcasts. I mean, they really are a kind of an anomaly in the, not just in the watch world, just in the world in general. I mean, how many brands can you drive down the freeways and see a big green billboard with a crown on it? And everyone knows what that is. Right. Even if you're not into watches, I mean, that's literally all they have to do to advertise. Well, it's interesting that we talk about materials right now because stainless steel is plentiful, yet you can't get a stainless steel Rolex in a, in a jewelry store. Right well, that's, now. yeah, that's a whole different deal. That's Rolex holding back, uh, their, their entry level watches. So again, that's a totally Which is separate kind of podcast. a shame, but yeah, let's not digress. I agree. But I agree. So, I mean, did we... Did we cover this pretty good? We're we're definitely over time, but I didn't want to leave anything out. I think we've yeah, pretty I much touched on. I could have gone a little bit deeper into the article, but I didn't yeah, want no, I, I didn't think... want to get too into too nitty gritty. Yeah, well, I don't think we're going to be on Jezier's you know invitee list for any shows any anytime Well, and it soon. wasn't <laughs> meant to be any. I mean, I didn't want it to be you know a total negative thing, but I just it was just kind of a dichotomy to me that he would make a comment like that when they actually have the most diverse collection of ladies watches that I've seen. Like it is so hard to find a women's watch with a, I mean, I, I think it's harder to find a, a moon phase on a women's watch, smaller women's watch. Clearly. Jager Lacole doesn't have diversity training for their employees. <laughs> <laughs> even nowadays they're lacking in some diversity training i think but all right well I, I think we can probably wrap it we're we're a little bit over time but i think we uh i think you guys get the idea so feel free to to comment on the uh, on the podcast please let us know what your what your thoughts are you know we, we talked about some different metals and materials today and and i know that we're uh you know, some of the, the stuff that we talked about, not everyone's going to agree with. We totally would love to hear other, other folks opinion and, you know, let us know what you think and just let us know what you think about in general about the show. I mean, we're, we're still developing it and still coming up with ideas. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Um, what do you think? Well, exactly. And I, and I'm not, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings today talking about the article. Cause I, I'm, I, I'm saving my pennies for a reversal because they're stunning. <laughs> hey, man, it, it is. We call it like we see it. It is yeah, what it is. So it's it not is, like we're not but... going to not ever want to buy uh, one of their products. But um, I think it's important that that kind of stuff gets called out. Right. For yeah. There's is, a lot so. of there's a lot of, uh, you know, sharp women out here who like watches and we we don't just wear them for jewelry and use our phones to tell time. Heck so yeah. there, there's a big group of us who we could be marketed to. Totally agree. All right. Well, I think with that, folks, we're going to sign off. This is Ranch Racer. And Perpetual Girl. And thank you so much for joining us for episode four. We'll see you for number five in two weeks. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.